Chapter Seven, Part One of Nana by Emile Zola, translated by Burton Rasco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Seven, Part One. Three months later, one night in December, Count Mifa was walking up and down the Passage des Panoramas. It was a very mild evening. A shower had just driven a crowd of people into the passage there was quite a mob and it was a slow and difficult task to pass along between the shops on either side beneath the glass roof brightened by the reflection there was a most fierce illumination consisting of an endless string of lights white globes red and blue lamps rows of flaring gas-jets and monstrous watches and fans formed of flames of fire burning without any protection whatsoever and the medley of colours in the various shop windows the gold of the jewellers the crystal vases of the confectioners the pale silks of the milliners blazed behind the spotless plate-glass and the strong light cast by the reflectors whilst among the chaos of gaudily painted signs an enormous red glove in the distance looked like a bleeding hand cut off and fixed to a yellow cuff count Mifa had strolled leisurely as far as the boulevard he cast a glance on the pavement then slowly retraced his footsteps keeping close to the shops a damp and warm air filled the narrow thoroughfare with a kind of luminous vapour along the flagstones wet from the drippings of umbrellas footsteps reverberated continuously without the sound of a single voice the passers-by elbowing the count at each turn gazed at his impassive face rendered paler than usual by the glare of the gas so to escape from their curiosity he went and stood in front of a stationer's shop where he inspected apparently with profound attention a display of glass paperweights containing coloured representations of landscapes and flowers but in reality he saw nothing he was thinking of nana why had she lied to him again that morning she had written to tell him not to come to her in the evening pretending that little louis was ill and that she would stay with him all night at her aunt's but he being suspicious had called at her house and had learned from the concierge that madame had just gone off to her theatre it surprised him for he knew that she had no part in the new piece why then that lie and what could she be doing at the variety theatre that evening pushed again by some passer-by the count without knowing he did so quitted the paperweights and found himself in front of a window full of miscellaneous articles and looking in his absorbed way at a quantity of pocket-books and cigar-cases all which had the same little blue swallow painted on one of the corners nana was certainly altered in the early days after her return from the country she used to send him mad when she kissed him on the face and whiskers with the little playful ways of a kitten swearing that he was her ducky darling the only little man whom she adored he no longer feared georges who was kept by his mother at la fondette there remained fat old steiner whose place he supposed he had taken but he had never dared to ask a question on the subject he knew that steiner was in a great mess about money matters and on the point of being declared a defaulter at the bourse and that his only chance was a rise in the shares of the salt-works of the land if he ever met him at nana's she would always explain in a reasonable sort of way that she had not the heart to send him off like a dog after all he had spent on her besides for three months past he the count had lived in the midst of a sort of a sensual whirlpool outside of which he understood nothing very clearly but the necessity of possessing nana this late awakening of his flesh was like the gluttony of a child which leaves no room for either vanity or jealousy only a precise sensation could strike him nana was not as nice as at first she no longer kissed him on the beard this caused him some anxiety 
and as a man ignorant of the ways of women he asked himself what she could have to reproach him with yet he fancied that he satisfied all her desires and his thoughts returned to the letter of the morning to that complicated lie told for the simple object of spending the evening at her theatre jostled again by the crowd he had crossed the passage and was racking his brain at the entrance to a restaurant his eyes fixed on some plucked larks and a fine salmon which were displayed in the window at length he seemed to tear himself away from this spectacle he pulled himself together and raising his eyes noticed that it was close upon nine o'clock nana would soon be coming out and he would insist upon knowing the truth and he walked about recalling to mind the evenings already spent in that place when he used to call for her at the stage door of the theatre he knew all the shops he recognized their odours in the atmosphere laden with the stench of gas the strong smell of russian leather the fragrance of vanilla which came from the basement of a dealer in chocolate the whiffs of musk issuing from the open doors of the perfumers and he no longer dared stop in front of the pale faces of the shop-women who placidly surveyed him as an old acquaintance one minute he appeared to study the row of little round windows above the shops in the midst of the different signs as though he saw them for the first time then he went again as far as the boulevard and stood there for a little while the rain now only came down in very fine drops which falling cold upon his hands calmed him now his thoughts wandered to his wife who was at the chateau near macon with her friend madame de chazelle who had been very unwell ever since the autumn the vehicles on the boulevard rolled along in a river of mud the country must be unbearable in such weather but this anxiety suddenly returning he plunged once more into the stifling heat of the passage and walked with rapid strides past the loungers the idea had just occurred to him that if nana had any doubts about his coming she might make off by the galerie montmartre from that moment the count watched at the stage door itself he did not like waiting in that bit of lobby where he was afraid of being recognized it was at the junction of the galerie des varietes and of the galerie saint marc a nasty corner with some obscure shops a cobbler who never had any customers dealers in musty furniture a smoky reading-room in a state of somnolence with its shaded lamps shedding a green light at night hereabouts one could always see gentlemen stylishly dressed patiently wandering about amongst all that usually encumbers a stage door drunken scene-shifters and painted hussies in gaudy rags a single gas-jet in an unwashed globe lighted up the entrance one moment muffat had the idea of questioning madame bron but then he feared that should nana hear of his being there she might leave by the boulevard he resumed his walk resolved to wait until he was turned out when the man shut the gates as had already happened to him on two occasions the thought of going back alone filled his heart with anguish each time that any dressed-up girls or men in dirty garments came out and looked at him he went and stood in front of the reading-room where between a couple of posters in the window he always beheld the same sight a little old man sitting upright and alone at the immense table in the green light of a lamp reading a green newspaper which he held in his green hands but a few minutes before ten o'clock another gentleman a tall handsome man fair and wearing well-fitting gloves began also to wander about outside the theatre then every time they met they mistrustfully gave each other a sidelong glance the count walked as far as the junction of the two galleries which was decorated with a tall mirror and seeing himself in it looking so solemn-faced and with such a correct gait he was seized with shame mixed with fear ten o'clock struck Mifa suddenly remembered that it was easy enough for him to see if nana was in her dressing-room 
he went up the three steps passed through the little hall besmeared with a coat of yellow paint and reached the courtyard by a door that was only latched at that hour the courtyard narrow and damp like a well with its foul-smelling closets its water-tap the kitchen stove and the plants with which the doorkeeper lumbered it was bathed in a black mist but the two walls which rose up studded with windows were ablaze with light below were the property room and the fireman's station on the left the manager's rooms on the right and above the dressing-rooms on the sides of this well they looked like so many oven doors opening into darkness the count had at once noticed a light in the window of the dressing-room on the first floor and feeling relieved and happy he stood there in the greasy mud looking up in the air and inhaling the unsavoury stench at this back of an old parisian house large drops were running down from a cracked water-pipe a ray of gaslight from madame bron's window gave a yellow tinge to a bit of the moss-covered pavement to the foot of a wall eaten away by the water from a sink and to a heap of rubbish on which innumerable old pails and cracked pots and pans had been thrown together with a saucepan in which a scraggly spindle tree was vainly endeavouring to grow there was heard the sound of a window opening and the count hastened away nana would certainly be coming out directly he returned to the window of the reading-room in the deep shadow broken only by a faint glimmer like that of a night-light the little old man could still be seen there with his face buried in his paper then the count walked about again strolling rather farther off he crossed the main gallery and followed the galerie des varietes as far as the galerie Feydeau, cold and deserted and plunged in a lugubrious obscurity and then he returned and passing before the theatre ventured along the galerie saint marc as far as the galerie montmartre where he watched a machine cutting up sugar in a grocer's shop but on his third turn the fear that nana might go off behind his back made him lose all self-respect he went and stood with the fair gentleman right opposite the stage door and they both exchanged a glance of fraternal humility lighted up with a remnant of mistrust as to a possible rivalry some scene-shifters who came out to smoke their pipes during one of the acts shoved up against them without either of them daring to complain three big girls with tangled hair and dirty dresses appeared in the doorway eating apples and spitting out the cores and the two men hung down their heads and submitted to the effrontery of their stares and the coarseness of their remarks consenting to be dirtied and bespattered by these hussies who amused themselves by jostling against them as they roughly played together just then nana came down the three steps she turned deadly pale as she caught sight of Mufa. ah it's you she stammered the jeering girls became frightened when they recognized her and they stood still in a row erect and serious like servants caught by their mistress when doing wrong the tall fair gentleman had moved a little distance off sad and reassured at the same time well give me your arm resumed nana abruptly they walked slowly away the count who had prepared a number of questions could find nothing to say it was she who in a rapid tone of voice related a long rigmarole she had stayed at her aunt's till eight o'clock then seeing that little louis was a great deal better she had had the idea of coming to the theatre for a short time for anything particular asked he yes a new piece she replied after a slight hesitation they wanted to have my opinion he knew that she lied but the warmth of her arm leaning heavily on his left him without strength to say a word his anger and his annoyance at having had to wait for her so long had disappeared his sole anxiety was to keep her now that he had her with him 
on the morrow he would try and find out what she had been about in her dressing-room nana still hesitating and visibly a prey to the inward struggle of a person trying to regain her composure and to decide on a course of action stopped on turning the corner of the galerie des varietes in front of a fan-maker's window look isn't it lovely she murmured the mother-of-pearl one trimmed with feathers then in a careless tone of voice she added so you are coming home with me why of course said Mifa, astonished as your child is better she regretted her long-winded story perhaps little louis had had another attack and she talked of returning to Betignolles. but as he offered to go too she let the subject drop one minute she boiled with rage like a woman who finds herself caught and who is obliged to show herself submissive and gentle however she became resigned to her fate and resolved to gain time if she could only get rid of the count by midnight all would go as she wished ah uh, yes you are a bachelor to-night she resumed your wife does not return till to-morrow morning does she no replied Mifa, slightly annoyed at hearing her speak of the countess in that familiar way but she continued to question him asking the time of the arrival of the train and wishing to know whether he intended going to the station to meet his wife she had again slackened her footsteps as though very much interested in the contents of the shop windows oh look there she exclaimed stopping in front of a jeweller's what a funny bracelet she loved the passage des panorama ever since her girlhood she had had a passion for the glitter of paris gewgaws counterfeit jewellery gilded zinc and imitation leather whenever she passed through it she could not drag herself away from the shops just the same as when she used to run about the streets lingering opposite the suites of a confectioner's listening to the playing of an organ next door smitten above all by the bad taste of the articles that seemed marvels of cheapness housewives contained in monstrous walnut shells rag-pickers baskets full of toothpicks vendome columns and luxor obelisks holding thermometers but that night she was too much upset she looked without seeing it bothered her immensely not to have her evening to herself and in her secret revolt she felt a longing to do something foolish a fat lot of use it was to have men well off she had just run through the prince and steiner indulging all her childish caprices without in the least knowing where the money had gone to her rooms in the boulevard houseman were not even now completely furnished the drawing-room alone all in crimson satin but too full and too lavishly decorated had a certain effect at this time too her creditors were dunning her more than ever before when she was quite without means and this surprised her immensely for she looked upon herself as a model of economy for a month past that old thief steiner could only find a thousand francs with the greatest difficulty on occasions when she threatened to kick him out of the place if he did not bring the money as for Mifa, he was a fool he had no idea of what a man should give a woman like her so she could not blame him for his stinginess ah she would have sent the whole of them to the right about if she had not all day kept repeating to herself a number of wise maxims one must be reasonable zoe was in the habit of saying to her every morning and she herself had ever present to her mind a sacred recollection the royal vision of chamont constantly invoked and embellished and that was why in spite of a tremor of suppressed rage she walked submissively along leaning on the count's arm going from one shop window to another in the midst of the now less frequent passers-by outside the foot-pavement was gradually drying a cool breeze entered the passage sending before it the hot air collected beneath the glass roof 
and creating quite a commotion among the coloured lamps the rows of gas jets and the monstrous fan flaming away like fireworks a waiter was turning out the lights at the door of the restaurant whilst in the empty and brilliantly illuminated shops the immovable shopwomen seemed sleeping with their eyes open oh the love exclaimed nana glancing in at the last window and returning a few steps to admire a porcelain greyhound which was raising its paw over a nest hidden among some roses they at length quitted the passage and she would not take a cab it was very nice out of doors said she besides there was no occasion to hurry it would be delightful to walk home then when they had got as far as the cafe anglais she longed to have some oysters saying that she had eaten nothing since the morning on account of little louis's illness Mufa did not like to disappoint her as yet he had not ventured much about with her in public so he asked for a private room and hurried along the corridor she followed him slowly like a woman thoroughly acquainted with the establishment and they were just on the point of entering an apartment of which a waiter had opened the door when a man suddenly rushed out of an adjoining room from which issued a regular tempest of shouts and laughter it was dagonet hallo nana cried he the count quickly vanished inside his room leaving the door ajar but as his broad back disappeared dagonet winked his eye and added jokingly the deuce you are getting on you take them from the tuileries now nana smiled and placed her finger on her lips to make him hold his tongue she saw that he was a bit on but was happy all the same at meeting him still keeping a little corner in her heart for him in spite of his shabby behaviour in not recognising her when he was in the company of ladies what are you doing now she inquired in a friendly way i am turning over a new leaf in fact i am seriously thinking of getting married she shrugged her shoulders with a look of pity but he continuing his joking tone said that it was not a life worth living just to earn on the bourse barely sufficient to pay for the bouquets he gave to his lady friends in order that they should not think him mean his three hundred thousand francs had only lasted him eighteen months he intended to be more practical he would marry a big dowry and die a prefect like his father nana continued to smile incredulously she nodded her head in the direction of the room he had just left whom are you with oh quite a party said he forgetting his projects in a burst of intoxication just fancy leah is relating her journey in egypt it's awfully funny there's a certain story of a bath and he related the story nana complacently waited to hear it they had ended by leaning against the walls of the corridor one in front of the other jets of gas were flaring beneath the low ceiling a vague odour of cookery hung about the folds of the hangings now and then in order to hear themselves above the occasionally increasing noise they were obliged to put their faces close together every few seconds a waiter laden with dishes finding the way blocked up was forced to disturb the pair but they without interrupting themselves squeezed close up against the walls calmly conversing together amidst the din caused by the customers and the interruptions of the servants look there whispered the young man pointing to the door of the room Mifa had entered they both watched the door shook softly as though moved by some gentle breeze then it slowly closed without the least sound they exchanged a silent laugh the count must cut a funny figure all alone there by himself by the way asked she have you read the article fauchery has written about me yes the golden fly replied Degenet. i did not speak of it as i thought you might not like it not like it why 
it's a very long article she felt flattered by being written about in the figaro without the explanations of francis her hairdresser who had brought her the paper she would not have known that she was the person alluded to Degenay watched her from out the corner of his eye with a sneer on his face well as she was pleased every one else ought to be by your leave cried a waiter as he passed between them holding in both hands a magnum of champagne and ice nana moved a step in the direction of the room where mifa awaited her well good-bye said Degenay. go back to your cuckold why do you call him a cuckold she inquired standing still again because he is a cuckold of course very much interested she returned to him and leaning up against the wall as before merely said ah what didn't you know it his wife has succumbed to faucherie my dear it probably first took place when they were staying together in the country faucherie left me just now as i was coming here and i fancy they have arranged a meeting at his place for to-night they have invented some journey i believe for some minutes nana remained dumb with emotion i thought as much said she at length slapping her thighs i guessed it the first time i saw her you recollect when we passed them on that country road is it possible a respectable woman to deceive her husband and with such a dirty blackguard as faucherie he'll teach her some fine things oh murmured Degenet maliciously this isn't her first trial by a long way she knows perhaps as much as he does really well they're a nice lot it's too abominable she exclaimed indignantly by your leave cried another waiter passing between them laden with several more bottles of wine Degenet walked with her towards her room and then held her for a moment by the hand he assumed his crystal-toned voice a voice that sounded like a harmonica and which was the cause of his great success among the ladies good-bye darling you know i love you always she released herself and smiling on him her voice drowned by a thunder of cries and bravos which shook the door of the room in which the party was being held she said don't be a fool that's all over now but all the same come and see me one of these days we can have a long chat then becoming very serious she added in the highly indignant tone of a most respectable woman ah he's a cuckold well my boy that's a confounded nuisance i've always felt the greatest disgust for a cuckold when she at length entered the room she found mifa with pale face and trembling hands resignedly sitting on a narrow sofa he did not utter a single reproach she dreadfully excited was divided between feelings of pity and contempt the poor man who was so shamefully deceived by a wicked woman she had a longing to put her arms round his neck and to console him but yet it was only just he was such a fool with women it would be a lesson for him her pity however got the better of her she did not send him off after having her oysters as she had intended doing they remained a quarter of an hour longer at the cafe anglais and then went home together to the boulevard houseman it was eleven o'clock by midnight she would easily discover some pleasant means of getting rid of him when she was in the ante-room she prudently gave zoe some instructions you must watch for him and when he comes tell him not to make any noise if the other one is still with me but where shall i put him madame keep him in the kitchen that will be the safest mifa was taking off his overcoat in the bedroom a big fire was burning in the grate it was the same room with its violet ebony furniture 
its hangings and chair coverings of figured damask large blue flowers on a grey ground on two occasions nana had thought of having it altered the first time she wished it to be all in black velvet the second in white satin with rose-coloured ribbons but as soon as steiner consented she squandered the money she obtained from him to pay for it all she had added was a tiger skin in front of the fireplace and a crystal lamp that hung from the ceiling i'm not at all sleepy i'm not going to bed yet said nana as soon as they had shut themselves in the count obeyed with the submission of a man who is no longer afraid of being seen his sole anxiety was not to anger her as you please he murmured however he took off his boots before sitting down in front of the fire one of nana's delights was to undress herself opposite her wardrobe which had a glass door in which she could see herself full length she would remove everything and would then become lost in self-contemplation a passion which she had for her own person a rapturous admiration of her satin-like skin and the suppleness of her form would root her there serious and attentive absorbed in a love of herself the hairdresser would at times enter the room and find her thus occupied without her even turning her head then count mifa would fly into a passion and she would be greatly surprised what was the matter with him it wasn't for the benefit of others that she did it it was for her own that night she had lighted all the candles and as she was about to let her last garment drop from her shoulders she stood still preoccupied for a moment having a question at the tip of her tongue have you read the article in the figaro the paper is there on the table the recollection of dagonet's sneering laugh had returned to her she was filled with a doubt if that fauchery had been slandering her she would have her revenge they say that it refers to me she resumed affecting an air of indifference well what do you think ducky and slipping off her chemise she remained naked waiting until mifa had finished reading mifa read slowly fauchery's article entitled the golden fly was the story of a girl born from four or five generations of drunkards her blood tainted by a long succession of misery and drink which in her had transformed itself into a nervous decay of her sex she had sprouted on the pavement of one of the paris suburbs and tall handsome of superb flesh the same as a plant growing on a dunghill she avenged the rogues and vagabonds from whom she sprung with her the putrefaction that was left to ferment among the people rose and polluted the aristocracy she became without herself wishing it one of nature's instruments a ferment of destruction corrupting and disorganizing paris it was at the end of the article that the comparison with the fly occurred a fly of the colour of the sun which had flown from out some filth a fly that gathered death on the carrion left by the roadside and that buzzing and dancing and emitting a sparkle of precious stones poisoned men by merely touching them in their palaces which it entered by the windows mifa raised his head and looked fixedly into the fire well what do you think of it asked nana but he did not answer he appeared inclined to read the article over again a cold shudder passed from his head to his shoulders the article was written in the most diabolical style with capering phrases an excess of unexpected words and strange comparisons however he remained very much struck by it it had abruptly aroused in him all that which for some months past he had not cared to disturb then he raised his eyes nana was absorbed in her admiration of herself 
she had bent her neck and was looking attentively in the glass at a little brown mole on her side and she touched it with the tip of her finger making it stand out more by slightly leaning back thinking no doubt that it looked droll and pretty then she amused herself by studying other parts of her body with the vicious curiosity of her childhood it always surprised her thus to see herself she appeared amazed and fascinated like a young girl on first discovering her puberty after slowly spreading out her arms to develop her plump venus-like frame she ended by swinging herself from right to left her knees wide apart her body bent back over her loins with the continual quivering movement of an alma dancing the stomach dance mifa watched her she frightened him the newspaper had fallen from his hands in that moment of clear understanding he despised himself it was true in three months she had corrupted his life he already felt tainted to his very marrow by an abomination which he would never himself have dreamt of at that hour everything was beginning to fester within him for an instant he was conscious of the results of sin he beheld the disorganization wrought by this ferment himself poisoned his family destroyed a corner of society cracking and tumbling into ruins and not being able to withdraw his gaze he watched nana fixedly and sought to add to his disgust nana was not moving now with an arm passed behind her neck and one hand clasped in the other she was leaning back her head with her elbows wide apart he caught sight obliquely of her half-closed eyes her slightly opened mouth her face covered with a bewitching smile her firm amazonian breasts with their sturdy muscles quivering beneath the satin of her skin and behind her loose yellow hair covering her back with a mane like a lioness mifa followed this delicate profile these flakes of rosy flesh disappearing in a golden shadow these curves which the light of the candles caused to shine like silk he thought of his old horror of woman the monster of scripture lecherous and bestial nana was covered all over with a reddish down which gave to her skin the appearance of velvet whilst in her flanks and mare-like thighs in the thick rolls of flesh which veiled her sex with their troubled shadow there was something of the beast it was the golden insect unconscious of its power but yet destroying the world with its smell alone mufa still continued to look so completely possessed by the sight that having for a moment lowered his eyelids and withdrawn his gaze the animal reappeared in the depths of the darkness enlarged terrible and with its posture exaggerated and it would remain there before his eyes in his very flesh as it were for evermore nana was now rolling herself up a tremor of endearment seemed to have passed through her limbs with moistened eyes she tried to become smaller as though to feel herself all the better then she unclasped her hands behind her neck and let them slip slowly down to her breasts which she pressed in a nervous embrace and satiated melting into a caress of her whole body she fondlingly rubbed her cheeks right and left against her shoulders her rapacious mouth breathed desire upon her she pouted her lips and kissed herself longingly close to her armpit smiling the while at that other nana who was also kissing herself in the looking-glass then mufa uttered a low and prolonged sigh this self-enjoyment exasperated him all his reason was abruptly swept away as though by a gale of wind he seized nana round the waist and in an outburst of brutal passion flung her on to the carpet let me be 
cried she you have hurt me he was conscious of his defeat he knew that she was stupid ribald and deceitful and he desired her all the same even poisonous though she might be oh it's ridiculous said she in a fury when she had regained her feet however she became calmer he would soon be going off after putting on a night-dress trimmed with lace she sat down on the rug before the fire it was her favourite place as she again questioned him respecting faucherie's article Mifa gave vague answers anxious to avoid a scene then she lapsed into a long silence thinking of some means of getting rid of the count she wanted to do it pleasantly for she was a good-natured girl and was sorry to pain others and more especially him because he was a cuckold a circumstance that had led her to making her feel more kindly disposed towards him so it's to-morrow morning she at length observed that you are expecting your wife mifa had thrown himself into an easy chair he looked drowsy and tired he nodded his head nana watched him seriously racking her brain the while still seated on the rug amidst the rumpled lace she was nursing one of her bare feet between her hands and kept turning it about mechanically how long have you been married asked she nineteen years replied the count ah and your wife is she nice do you get on well together he did not answer then in an embarrassed sort of way he said you know i have asked you never to speak of such matters really and why pray she cried already beginning to lose her temper i shan't eat your wife by speaking of her that's very certain my dear fellow all women are alike here she paused afraid of saying too much only she assumed a superior sort of an air as she thought herself exceedingly kind the poor man one ought not to be too hard on him besides a merry idea had just occurred to her she smiled as she critically examined him she resumed i say i haven't told you the report that faucherie has spread about you he's a regular viper i have no ill feeling against him because his article might be true but all the same he's a regular viper and laughing boisterously and letting go of her foot she crawled along the rug and leant her bosom against the count's knees only fancy he swears you were a perfect innocent when you married your wife do you understand is it true she looked him straight in the face and placing her hands on his shoulders she shook him to make him confess of course it is he at length replied in a solemn tone of voice then she again rolled herself at his feet in a wild fit of laughter stuttering and slapping his legs no it's not possible such a thing could only happen to you you're a phenomenon but my poor ducky you must have looked foolish when a man knows nothing it's always so funny by jove i should have liked to have seen you and did it go off all right tell me oh come now tell me all about it End of chapter 7 part 1